0: Hello San Pedro podcast, episode 103. Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jess. And this is the Hello San Pedro podcast. Join us as we talk with locals, community leaders, business owners, and people like us who love all things San Pedro. Every week, we'll explore San Pedro's deeply rooted culture, discuss local issues, and spread good vibes. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda Silva. In this very short mini-series, we're really focusing on um, kids and the people who are committed to improving the lives of the kids in our community. And because of that, I'm really excited to about today's guest because he has made a tremendous impact on the youth of our community. Having started the San Pedro Youth Coalition in 1988, which is still going strong today, he has truly committed his life to improving the lives of our youth. He's been involved and is responsible for some of our favorite places to bring our kids and now sits as the chief executive officer at one of our most cherished recreational centers for kids under 18. So without further ado, I'll go ahead and let him introduce himself. I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Mike Lansing, um, born and raised in San Pedro, California. I've lived here my whole life. Um, like I said, I think I, I've, I say I've slept two years in Lamita, but I've still lived in San Pedro. Um, I've been the uh, executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs at L.A. Harbor for my 29th year Um, and um, Pedro Boy through and through.
0: Wow, that's incredible! So I I hadn't met you before, and um, I wasn't sure you know what your background would be. It's always fun interviewing a like through and through Pedro boy, especially one who has just like lived and worked in the area for so long. This podcast is all about Pedro, <laughs> um, and so many people I think I get from when I'm talking to people outside of Pedro, they're kind of surprised that I would have a whole podcast dedicated to it, but I feel like you would get it right. You understand people want to know about their town and Pedro people specifically are just, we love Pedro. So it's
1: a, it's a different community by far. Uh, for many decades, um, people growing up from in Pedro didn't move out. There's a lot of economic and other reasons that have made that tougher. And you brought it up when we were doing a little, um, Mm Uh, warm up um, uh, which we can get into but it's you know if somebody asked me would I ever move anywhere else and I said no on this for some reason I had to um, but this is this is my hometown and I love it and it's it's not perfect by any means and we have a lot of work to do but it's still um, it's, it's a special
0: place. Yeah, it's our home definitely. definitely. We're very attached to it. I can't imagine living anywhere else. I can imagine having a vacation home somewhere else, yes. <laughs> but not actually like moving. And I just don't see it for myself. Um, okay, so we are focusing on um, kids and families and um, basically the resources and programs there are for kids. Um, you're with the Boys and Girls Club. I knew right away to hit up my friend Lee, who's on your, on the board, um, and he, defi- he recommended you right away, and I'm really excited about this. But before we get into the Boys and Girls Club, I would love to get into your personal background a little bit um, and kind of find out what led you down this journey. I mean, 30 years, almost 30 years with the Boys and Girls Club, that's huge. Um, so you were born here in San Pedro then?
1: Born in San Pedro in 1956. Um, grew up uh, basically a block away from San Pedro High School for most of my life and a few blocks from the San Pedro Boys Club. Went to Holy Trinity School um, K-8 through and graduated from San Pedro High School. Mm-hmm. Went to the San Pedro Boys Club in my elementary, middle school um, years. It was a great experience, uh, which... You know, circled all the way around back, which wasn't expected. Um, went to went to the club. We played sports. I mean, that was the mecca of sports in San Pedro. Uh, baseball, basketball, they had football. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a place for only boys at that time. And thankfully, we we got smart and um, expanded uh, past that uh, later on. Um, but an amazing experience and met so many friends there. And People I never would have met if I didn't go to the Boys Club. Mm -hmm. Um, After San Pedro High School, I went to Long Beach State. um, Get my business degree. Uh, I was going to be a business uh, man, and I was going to be a real estate uh, broker. And we're in a real estate uh, space (laughs) here, so it was kind of fitting. Um, And just a weird thing, you know. I I was a real estate. Got my license after graduation. um, Worked for a year in real estate. Uh, Sold one whole house in a year. I I found out along the way that for me I can't sell it if I don't totally believe in it Um, And I wasn't uh, wasn't good at selling things that I knew had a lot of issues that I couldn't fix Mm -hmm. Um, So along that year I was asked to um, By one of my coaches one of the best coaches I ever had as a youth Bob Lorenzo said, you know I'm asked to coach a baseball team at Holy Trinity why don't you come and help out, and so I did. And then they offered me a part time job. I was still a junior at Long Beach State at the time, mm-hmm. but uh, I got offered a part time job. I was a PE minor, um, and um, so I, had, I was teaching PE part time. I was taking me about three more years to graduate because eventually, that part time job became a full time job, right? Coaching
0: <laughs> and school became part time. Yeah, right. School became
1: part time, and then my. Whole career idea changed. Um, ended up going back to school after I graduated to get my teaching credential because mm-hmm. I really liked the interaction of working with kids. And um, uh, su- surprisingly, for some people, I liked middle school. Um, and so I went back and got my teacher credential. So I was a middle school teacher and coach and athletic director at Holy Trinity, where we really built up a big athletic program there. Mm-hmm. Um, but academics was my main. Uh, job. Um, I ended up being there for 14 years in the middle of that. I was the athletic director, um, at Murray Star, the city high school for three years. I coached football there uh, a couple of years. And then around that, I coached some basketball there too. Um, in the middle of all that, uh, a group of us started, um, we knew there weren't enough opportunities for kids in San Pedro, especially around sports at that time. So, mm-hmm. so we originally started the San Pedro Youth Coalition, I think we started in 80, 1987, um, because we wanted to have more opportunities for, for mm-hmm. youth in San Pedro. One was a was a dearth of recreational facilities, athletic fields. Secondly, other opportunities for, for um, young people. So. We started that all volunteer nonprofit. Then it's still going today. Um, besides advocating for more opportunities for young people, we ended up eventually getting a gym built at Peck Park, uh, the Field of Dreams builds up um, uh, on the other side of um, yeah. Target, I know where. yeah. yeah. Right. So we we got those dedicated. Um, we started a, a free tutoring um, program at uh, the library. We raised some money. Wow. Um, I went and took a grant writing class at Long Beach and I started writing grants to raise some money um, that way we wrote a monthly newsletter uh, called Youth Times that we distributed out to people that became um,
0: you know, like supporters. supporters.
1: Yeah. We did a Future Leaders of San Pedro dinner which still pre-pandemic was still going and might happen again this year where each school gets a nominate uh, youth.
0: Let me stop you right there. Yes. So what I'm gathering is you were a part of all of these projects. Yes. You were a part of like the founding of these projects. Yep. Wow, that's incredible. Yes. I remember when the Field of Dreams, I played soccer there. Okay. Um, yeah. And then what was the other, the gym at Peck Park? That's yeah. incredible.
1: Two, two people that were huge in that. Um, I was part of that leadership group and I was a president for about 10, 12 years. But mm-hmm. two two real icons of San Pedro that really made a lot of that happen. One was Mel Bobich. Who, matter of fact even um, got the gym built at Bogdanovich Park when they didn't have a gym.
0: Wow.
1: Um, he was the big uh, pusher on getting the the field uh, or the gym at uh, Peck Park and also in the field of dreams and then Joe Marino just passed away uh, this last week. Um, mm, Joe was a longtime principal great guy involved in so many things, both Mel and they were like a tag team on community interests and community needs and advocacy and uh, those were two really um, great community leaders who were a major part of our youth coalition and mm-hmm. um, all these activities we were able to do as a volunteer group. Nobody was, we didn't have any paid personnel except for the tutors we um, hired to provide free tutoring at, at, the, uh, library. at the library.
0: Wow, yes. I feel like you're one of the like heroes without capes that are like, you know, um, well, I really was,
1: I was on there I was following. I was hanging on to their capes <laughs> I just I was just hanging on for dear life but, no, but uh, that's yeah,
0: incredible to know um, to kind of hear the connection you know of when these things started and um, and now the entire community benefits from I was just at the Peck Park gym. Um, cuz my they're doing um quite a few programs at Peck Park as well um you know for classes yes. and my son he's 5 years old right. um so I'm like oh it's time to get him involved with something other than school you know right. um and get him out there experiencing things that are outside of his comfort zone <laughs> yeah, definitely. that's
1: great that's great and mm-hmm. we need more opportunities for kids every day mm-hmm. um so yeah so I was teaching and and coaching and um very involved in the youth coalition um, decided that I wanted to be a principal, so I went and um, backed and got my master's at Cal State, both my teaching credential and eventually my master's in school administration from Cal State Dominguez Hills. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story: is I got my master's in uh, school administration, I wanted to become a principal, and then four months later, I become the executive director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of the of <laughs> Boys and, Boys and Girls Club of San Pedro. We had one mm-hmm. side at that point. Um, just opportunity rose. I was on the board at that time. My one of my mentors, Ray Martinez, and uh, one of my coaches when I went to the club, uh, he recruited me. He said, "You should you should apply." My involvement in the youth coalition and in education. Um, the club was still kind of sports primarily, um, and a place for kids to kind of come mm-hmm. and hang out. Um, yeah, and I had a, you know an opportunity to to apply and. Um, I, you know, I was so fortunate to get to get uh, picked to uh, take on that position. Um, and I've been there uh, I've been there for uh, this is my 29th year.
0: Wow,, yeah,
1: So um, um, yeah, uh, my first wife, Melinda, who ended up passing away from cancer, I remember mm. when we, uh, we were offered the job by one of the board members. I remember we were sitting on the couch. Uh, Mike Carmich's house, waiting to see, are they going to offer us a job? Or are they going to tell us we didn't get the job? Yeah. And uh, Linus, I think we, I think you got the job. I think that's got so, um, uh, which was uh, truly a life-changing experience for me, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, professionally, the best thing that's ever come across for me.
0: So you started out um, with the. In your, in your mind at the time, business, real estate, you know, uh, probably financial aspirations, you know, um, which I totally relate to. I got my degree in business as well. Um, and then, of course, working at 9 to 5 Corporate, I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> it's not for everybody. Um, and then finding yourself, like, back in the arena of education, wanting to make it a difference in, I feel like, young kids' lives right and um and now you've been with the boys and girls club for such a long time it's rare that you hear people being with companies for so long i know that was the it was kind of the model for us but now you know my age we're we're not staying at companies that long (laughs) um so what are what um have the ups and downs been on your journey there
1: well, it's interesting. You know, we talked about the business degree. I was originally I was an accounting major, and then I switched over to business finance. You know, it's it's amazing how you things circle around. I mean, that part of my education really helped me starting in this organization. That at that point, I think we had a two hundred and seventy thousand dollar budget with just one site. But you know, I was basically the you know I had to run the budget. Um, I didn't have a finance person. I was when, you know, I was doing fundraising, I think we had a total of eight people mm-hmm. total in the whole organization, including me. Um, so it was, you it know, was it was a, boy, we're starting off really small. Um, but I went into it, even I, when I interviewed, I said, look, it, there's, there's um, three things we're going to do here if you want, you know, if you decide to go with me. And I want to be up because I don't want you to come later and say, mm-hmm. well, where did this come from? I said, number one, um, we're going to serve teens." because there's no teen-serving organization mm. in this community or anywhere close that's serving teens every day. Mm-hmm. And I said, I left this club when I became a teen because there was nothing for me. Um, there's no dedicated space and no programs, so I left this when I went to high school. Mm. Um, and there's kids, teens all around from working in Youth Coalition, there's teen needs. Uh, you know, Go to high school, unless you're playing sports or in student government or in the band, there's nothing for you really after school. Mm-hmm. Um, So that needs to be a priority. I said two, academic um, support will be a major priority for us, Mm -hmm. and um, kids that we're serving do not have the wherewithal for their families to be able to purchase additional academic support. So we need to make sure that we're going to focus on academics and help young people have a, a good academic experience with opportunities. And I said, third, we just have to make sure that the kids that live in San Pedro, because we are only in San Pedro at that time, are going to have the same youth development opportunities that the kids on the Hill have. Mm-hmm. That means we're going to expand our programming. We're going to keep our fees, if we have any fees, low. I think our membership at that point was 10 or $15 a year, and now it's still like $25 for those that we, mm-hmm. that we, that we actually charge. But we're going to make it open for every child, but especially those that need us most and can't afford these other opportunities, they need the same youth development opportunities that um, the, the youth up on the hill have. Mm-hmm. So they can have, compete both in the classroom and compete in the boardroom mm-hmm. later on. So those were like the th- three legs of um, experiences and priorities that I wanted if I was gonna take this on. Um, and I said, that probably means growth guys. We're not gonna be able to give equal access unless we decide to grow this organization. So. Right that um, yeah that was uh, and, and an interesting aside when we when we uh, after debating um, and talking about building our first teen center which we did at the San Pedro site we built it on our parking small parking lot that we had um, right before we um, did the final agreement on some funding we were going to receive and putting our um, shovels in the ground uh, had a group of board members said, well, what do you mean teen center? We didn't talk about a teen center. I said, what do you mean? Yeah, I've been talking about teen center before I even came. Da da da, da. Um, And no, you didn't. And so I showed, I, you know, I showed the minutes from the last, and I ended up losing almost half of my board on that. Really? Yeah, because...
0: I'm yeah, surprised. Yeah.
1: You know, I think people still, I mean, in general, I, I think everybody likes serving young kids. Mm-hmm. It's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's less angst, there's less issues they're dealing with, there's less safety and other concerns, and the organization never really served teens. Mm-hmm. some in sports and football mainly, but that was it. Um, so I think I really scared a lot of the board members. So that was a huge early on uh, cataclysmic um, yeah. uh, head-to-head that we had, but it, we were able to get past that and mm-hmm. build the teen center and then grow from there.
0: So people actually stepped away from the board at that point. Yeah, wow. probably,
1: probably lost about eight board members. Wow. And
0: how many sit on the board total?
1: Then it was then I think we had about 20. Mm. Now we have 33. Mm. Um, so it was a pretty large number of our board that didn't want to have anything to do with that.
0: With with teens, yeah.
1: Teens and the costs associated with I know growing
0: mm-hmm. budget
1: and those types of things. So,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because I feel like even even myself, I, when you hear teen, you just think of challenges, right? You just think of you know, uh, behavior issues or like outbursts or things yeah. like that. Um. But but yeah, teens do need places to go and and people to invest in them. Um. It's a really crucial age. So I'm really glad that you actually had the foresight to to actually invest in that so early.
1: Yeah, and we um, you know, so we built our teen center, um, and it must have been in 99, and then in about 2002, and I was on the school board then too, I'm sitting at my desk in my corner office at the club, and it's about 11.30, and I see a bunch of my members walking to school at 11.30 in the morning. I oh, go, 11.30 in the morning? This guy should have been in school three hours ago. So I got all hold my teen center director and said, let me know where are we at with our teens, our seniors graduating this year. I said mm-hmm. we have a, you know, we have academic support, we have these different programs, but mm-hmm. where are we at? I saw these guys walking into the, the school today. They did some research and said, you know, Mike, only about fifty percent of them are going to graduate. Mm. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. We're, this is, we're, you know, we're for warehousing teens. We're not making a difference. This is not a good, you know, it's maybe keeping them safe but that's not what happens after they yeah. leave high school. So that's when I brought a bunch of educators together and um, we came up with a multi-layered one-on-one academic support um, program called College Bound. Didn't want to call it high school graduation bound, even yeah. though it was our first uh, We went on to raise the... That was the first bar. Yeah, and that was just the first bar. So let's <laughs> go a little bit graduation. higher. Yeah. And you know, And I was finding out from my time on the board that a lot of parents were... And more data was coming out that youth of color, who are 97% of our membership, weren't going to college, weren't graduating college, they weren't getting the right classes to go to college, so Mm -hmm. we developed a program where we became advocates also, not just had this case management and workshops and trips to universities and academic support and uh, writing workshops and all of these different things we did, but also going to the high school and uh-huh. saying, you know, um, John has been in Algebra 1 already. Why is he taking Algebra 1 again? Wow. Because, you know, at that time they were just trying to fill the matrix of all the classes they had to fill. Uh-huh. And sometimes we looked at a kid who's African-American or Latino or... Youth mm-hmm. of color and saying, ah, or you know, whether judgments were being made, whether they could go to college or mm-hmm. not, we don't know. But we were in a little bit of scrap back in two thousand two, mm-hmm. butting heads with them. What do you guys know? You're not college counselors, mm-hmm. even though we sent all of our folks to all of the train. We still do all the trainings every year for UC, CSU, private colleges, uh, community colleges. We ended up finding out that we knew more than a lot of the college counselors um, for lots of reasons. And we're able to spend more time with these kids. So yeah, we built that program and it's in our 21st year. And so that was a big move for us. Um,
0: Somebody needed to actually be advocating for them on their behalf with the schools because that's where the difference was gonna be, right? Wow, that's incredible.
1: And then eventually we wanted to expand and serve more youth. Mm in 2002 I approached the 2000 uh, 2000 I approached the port about is there any space down here downtown that you own that we could serve kids that live in Rancho San Pedro mm-hmm. a lot of times they're not making it all the way up to our San Pedro Club on 13th of Cabrillo for right here mm-hmm. um, un- unbelievably they gave us majority of the building that's right across from theirs mm-hmm. on uh, Harbor Boulevard and between fifth and it's fifth and first because the way the, the, the street goes uh, in, and so we were able to start the Port Boys and Girls Club, yeah. and the Port has been an amazing partner for us since then. 2004, Wilmington Boys and Girls Clubs was gonna close their doors, and so they came to us, and we mer- they said, we, either you guys take us on, or mm-hmm. we have to close the Wilmington Club, and so we merged with them, and then in 2019, the, um, South Bay Boys and Girls Clubs, which is basically Harbor City, Harbor Gateway, said we're going to have to close our doors, too. We said, wow, we're going to take this on with these five sites, too. Um,
0: So when you say take it on, you mean manage is basically one, merge them into
1: one. So so now we're, this year we'll have 24 sites between school and club sites, between San Pedro, Wilmington, Harbor City, Harbor Gateway, and then we're... One site in Lameda, it's the Harbor Hills Public Housing on uh, Western and Peavy Drive North right there on the two sides of the street.
0: Okay, I know exactly you know where. where. Mm-hmm. So we'll mm-hmm. have
1: 24 sites. We have 23 right now. We're gonna open up our 24th um, probably in two months.
0: And so your role at the Boys and Girls Club, do you, I mean, you pretty much know what's going on at all of these, or is that, are you just focused mainly on the, the San Pedro Boys and Girls Club, oh, no,
1: we're, you're so, all over? <laughs> so the reality is, um, Great, unbelievable staff, unbelievable youth development professionals. But we have three regional directors. One that oversees all of our club sites, uh, two club sites, and uh, we now have six school sites that we mm-hmm. that individual oversees in San Pedro with directors at each of those sites. Mm-hmm. Regional director in San Pete and Wilmington that does the same oversees the seven sites there. And then a regional director in um, Harbor City, Harbor Gateway, who oversees the eight sites there.
0: Wow! So Wilmington now has seven sites. Yes.
1: Yeah, so we um, we have our the main site we took over on Figueroa and Q Street. You can see it from the. Uh, we can still kind of see it. I later. pass it all the yes. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, even with the construction that's going on mm-hmm. across the street, uh, Clearwater. Um, that's our main hub. We have seven schools, six school sites, but one of them. Um, Wilmington Park on the east side of Wilmington, highly industrial area, um, large immigrant population, very low income. We were, after a shooting that occurred there um, two years ago, went to the school district and said, we need to have a bigger presence here rather than just an after school program, three hours during the school year and then closed in the summer. And they end up giving us a building um, that we now is a Boys and Girls Club. Mm -hmm. So on the two ends of Wilmington, we have two Boys and Girls Clubs, and then we're on five other schools, Banning High School, the two middle schools, um, uh, Wilmington Middle School and Harry Bridges, and then uh, two elementary schools there. Wow! So that's a big, I know you said uh, you live in uh, Wilmington, and so we have a major, we've had a major presence there since we merged with them in 2004. Mm-hmm. And um, and now we're working on um, the sites we took on in um, the Harbor City, Harbor Gateway.
0: That's incredible. Okay, so for families with kids, um, what are the resources there at Boys and Girls Club? You did mention that there was academic assistance as well, as uh, sports, and what are the, all of the programs? Sure. And so, all kids, all ages.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're basically five mm-hmm. to 18. Okay. Um, because we do serve teens. Uh, matter of fact, teens make up membership-wise more than half of our membership, which is way different than most boys and girls clubs I know not youth serving organizations. Mm-hmm. So we started out with the AAA it was academics, arts, and athletics. With athletics coming third, arts has become a huge um, part of our program, besides the academic part. Because again, creativity is. I mean kids need that outlet <clears throat> and any child should have that opportunity. Not that they can't afford a musical instrument or they can't afford to go to a fine arts program or they don't have a recording studio or, mm-hmm. or um, uh, computers to do creative um, development of whether it's game design or mm-hmm. to, you know, two dimensional um, animation or other opportunities. So we decided that we were just going to blow this up and start, building an arts program that any child can go to, um, no cost. Um, we provide everything and um, give them that outlet. Even a, even a kid like Mike Lansing who had zero artistic <laughs> ability could go to, mm-hmm and see if there was something that they enjoyed. So that's become a huge, really huge part of our program.
0: So you, you said no cost no and cost. that is, um, what is the time frame for that? I mean, this is for kids at basically a supplement to school, right?
1: Yeah. So we're, we're open, you know, every school day after school,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're open full day during, um, the summer. That's, that's, um, eight o'clock to six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's different programs at different times during those. You know, we're open after school, usually from like 2 to 6, 6.30 for elementary, 2 to 7 for middle school, 2 to 8 or 9 for high school. Wow. So we have extended hours so we can, especially high school, so kids that are participating in sports or the band can come afterwards yeah. to our college-bound program or our expanding workforce development programming that I maybe we can touch bases on. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I mean, it's and it's I mean, we have specialty teachers. It's not my glancing teaching dance because that would be really bad. <laughs> um, we have specialty staff that mm-hmm. teach these different programs mm-hmm. and um, it's a huge part of our budget and it's a huge part of our commitment to equal access yeah. for the kids that come to us and don't have access otherwise.
0: Right, right. So is there a music program when you yes. mentioned with the art? Okay. so, so
1: music, is, um, music has become a huge part of what we do. Um, that includes all of the instruments, one-on-one and small group instruction. I was
0: gonna say, right. instruments are so expensive, like you yes. said, music is one of the hardest things to like really commit to financially, I think for parents, you know? Definitely,
1: I mean, we had to build out our facilities um, So we were committing to all these things, but space became a problem. Mm -hmm. So like at the San Pedro club site uh, up on Cabrillo and uh, between 12th and 13th, we had to get um, creative for our arts program. So we ended up doing two things. We divided our building into three separate centers, elementary, middle school, and high school. So age appropriate programming, Mm -hmm. um, which really helped get more middle school kids in. Because one was only, the club and then the teen center, high school kids didn't want the middle school kids there. Mm-hmm. Middle school kids didn't want to be on the other side with the elementary kids, so they mm-hmm. weren't coming. So we um, you know, we did a little um, study and, and brought a room just for them and went from 15 to 20 kids a day to 50 or 60. Yeah. And middle school kids, after teaching and coaching for so long, you put that many middle school kids, it gets a little um, stank <laughs> in there, for lack of a better, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So okay, we got to blow this up. So we... We made these three centers. We built out all of the arts, fine arts centers. We have two fine arts centers up there. We have two um, uh, music uh, centers there. We have a full recording studio. Mm-hmm. We now have a podcast center where our kids are doing their own podcast. Maybe you can come up and do your podcast out of our oh uh, podcast gosh, room so up there. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. And maybe you can interview some of the kids. Um, oh my gosh, yes. That would be awesome. We will
0: talk very yeah. long actually okay. after this about um, that. <laughs>
1: and we're redoing our, our studio because, I mean, our studio was a wood shop when I went there, but about 15 years ago, I said, okay, it's, it's time to get nothing wrong. With, when, wish we had more woodworking and hands on opportunities, but we decided to make it a, a true recording studio with mm-hmm. uh, video recording and wow. photography, audio recording, and then we do our. Um, our uh, uh, computer uh, visuals with two-dimensional animation, game design, uh-huh. um, uh, being able to do computer graphics programming, which is and, but we're we're gonna have to put a major investment in there just to upgrade everything from where we're at. We oh just my we're, we're just we're making about a. commitment to that in the next, um, couple of months.
0: That's really impressive. I mean, I, I did not expect, you know, I I feel like when I think of the boys and girls club and, um, other, you know, I want to say community run like places for, for kids, you know, you just don't think of them having the money to put into, you know, a podcast recording. That's incredible. That's really, really impressive.
1: And, you know, and as our organization, our board, um, has been amazing to Mm
0: -hmm. take on
1: this mantra of more, Mm -hmm. that it's never enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Although they probably get tired of hearing it from me. Um, (laughs) But they've been unbelievable supportive and leaders of our organization. But the reality is when you have facilities and when we did all this building out, we had to put four modular buildings behind our our, uh, club site because we ran out of space for all the academics, but it really worked out good. Mm -hmm. So we have a K-1 academic modular, A two through five academic modular, a middle school academic modular, and our what I um, call lovingly our double wide college bound (laughs) modular because there's so many kids in it, Mm -hmm. um, which really gave us a lot of dedicated space. But the key is the staff. I mean, the the youth development professionals that we've been able to hire and bring back that are alumni, especially, uh, Mm -hmm. don't have to graduate from college and come back or just have been involved in the arts and now we're hiring them back. Mm -hmm. they're the ones that make it work. you said, how does this all work? You know, it really works. I'm, I'm out here. I'm trying to stay out of the way and get resources with my small administrative team. But the, the, the youth development professionals on site are the ones that are making the, the real difference.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. That is very awesome to hear. Um, okay, so that's the arts program. Yes. What about the athletics
1: program? So, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I was um, athletic director and coach for 14 years and I kind of put athletics towards the back. Um, and during the pandemic, it really got put back because we couldn't even do sports. We, you know, social distancing and yeah. everything else. But sports now is coming way back um, mm-hmm. for us. Um, we just started this past school year Re, um, sponsoring our basketball leagues and indoor soccer, um, so we have those at all three of our regions, um, in and it's it's low cost. We want to make sure again, we have to charge something because of uniforms and everything else. And so our usually our fees are like thirty dollars to participate in our leagues, which mm-hmm. is way below anything recreation parks and others. Although I think recreation parks is getting a huge influx of money from. La twenty eight, so they're really dropping their fees down mm-hmm. to almost nothing because of I think they're getting um, twenty eight million dollars a year from oh, La wow. twenty uh, La twenty eight, but we keep our fees really really low. I get to keep they get to keep the uniform, um, and we're you know we're just starting to build that back up again. So those are our two main sports, basketball and soccer. Mm-hmm. We don't have the baseball facility at the club that I went to back in the day. Goes the club back in the eighties thats financial difficulties. So where Vons is located on Gaffey, between mm-hmm. th- where the store is, not the parking, where the store is, that's Boys and Girls Club land. Mm. Um, that was the ball field I played on as a kid. There, mm. uh, they had to lease it to then Safeway because they needed the money, um, get some revenue. But we don't have access to a lot of fields. Uh, we built a sports arena across the street at Daniel's Field. If mm-hmm. you. If you were in that area, they have the big grass field, um, but we built with state and local money an area that has um, basketball courts, a uh, little futsal soccer area, uh, a baseball batting cage, and a golf cage. So we were able to build that out. Mm-hmm. In Wilmington, across the street from the club, we've been uh, administering the Wilmington Athletic Complex for the last year and a half. Um and our goal is to be able to take over. The Rec Parks is going to take on that 18 acres soon, we hope, because we've been kind of holding that down for the last 18 months while the county and city have been getting their act together. Uh, but we want to take on the two um, soccer fields that are there and expand our youth um, indoor soccer league to a full year-round soccer program, both mm-hmm. indoor and outdoor. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Wilmington is 90% Latino. Population and there's no year-round regular recreation uh, youth soccer league in that community. Okay. So we're mm-hmm. hoping, we're negotiating with Rec and Parks right now, let us have that space. We'll raise the money working with a couple of other soccer clubs mm-hmm. to provide clinics and opportunities for skill building, but it's going to be not a club. It's going to be a recreation league where anybody can play. Mm-hmm. We have 230 youth from Wilmington playing in our indoor soccer at Wilmington right now Uh, and that's indoor soccer where you can limited numbers on a team and Mm -hmm. if we're able to take over the two soccer fields and mold a full year round we figure about 600 Wilmington youth will be able to play in a really low cost soccer league year anytime throughout the year and so that'll be five through 13 to start different age group uh, leagues and then eventually hopefully high school students or high school youth too.
0: Wow that's incredible I'm really impressed with the reach that Boys and Girls Club really has and okay you said from 5 to 18 18. now what are the now you mentioned academic when it comes to academic is it one-on-one because I know you did mention that
1: so two things academically um you know we we have a lot of kids I mean so we really can't provide one-on-one academic. I support. know. I there's, was thinking like that's impossible. Yeah. So we have dedicated um, tutors in each of our academic centers, mm-hmm. uh, usually two to three in each area. We rotate um, elementary and middle school students into those areas because mm-hmm. we can't serve them all mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. We also have volunteers. We have some great long-term volunteers. That and if there's anybody listening out there, we can use some more volunteers, especially mm-hmm. if you have any math. And language arts backgrounds, and like to help out kids once a week. Uh, Wonderful. There's a major pitch um, (laughs) uh, that really help bring more access and individual help. Um, We're looking at internships um, with the city um, uh, jobs program that we can get high school juniors and seniors that could assist there. Although we're really, I'll talk about workforce development maybe in a second. Trying to get them in, so we have a a wide range. We wish we had more. We wish we could do more because the pandemic really showed the the academic gap. Before the pandemic was there, Mm. after the pandemic, even when schools were closed and we were open full day, because our kids didn't have, you know, uh, internet access and a lot of devices. They might have a device, but maybe not access. We stayed open full day the gap got even bigger so uh, during the time.
0: pandemic you were open for the boys and girls club was open full, full day, day. Wow.
1: We, we closed um uh, i think it was april the 13th friday the 13th when school district closed we closed because we didn't know what the we didn't know mm-hmm. what the health and other issues were we closed for three months till summer mm-hmm. um we started our food program which has become a big part of ours because we wanted to figure out how we can help and Families really couldn't get food every day. Their kids used to get food every day at school, sometimes three meals. They had one... In San Pedro, one food distribution set up at Dana for the whole mm-hmm. city. But we I were...
0: I remember hearing about this program, and I mean at the time we moved into our home in 2020, and I would often take Figueroa from like Sepulveda sometimes, um, and I would see the line of cars outside of the Boys and Girls Club, and this that was for food distribution. Yeah, right? that was our
1: weekend wellness program. So wow. we we gave enough food for Friday evening through Sunday,
0: wow. mm-hmm. which we
1: still do, but um, now we've converted, we're doing that once a month, and we're this year we'll have eight food um, pantries open and mm-hmm. eight of our club sites um, for daily distribution for families mm-hmm. that can't yeah. wait till the weekend or need help. Mm-hmm. But we found so we were closed for five months, and then when school was supposed to reopen, and they didn't. We decided we would be open full day, um, 10 mm-hmm. hours a day. Um, and we stayed open all the way until schools started to reopen slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they were fully reopened, went back to our normal hours. But we just found out that kids were getting further and further behind. Uh, there, There's big gaps right now, which is, is very alarming. And we found out that more high school students that would normally consider higher education had a bad experience and were looking for other options. So workforce development... Um, Having a pathway, so pathways to success is our, is our uh, model for our high school kids. We either, when you leave us, we want you on a higher education pathway, or you're gonna go into the workforce pathway and we're mm-hmm. gonna help you either way. So that same case management model <clears throat> that we've developed for college bound, we've developed it for what we call career bound our workforce program. Mm-hmm. And those kids are getting um, the same kind of tutorial support, make sure they graduate from high school, Uh, workshops on what they need to be able to enter the workforce, building resumes, interview skills, Mm -hmm. making sure if there's certification opportunities, which are tough for high school, but they're out there getting those experiences, Uh, getting internships. So that's a We had to close the internships down during the pandemic because no businesses were taking our kids on. Right. Mm -hmm. So another pitch to the San Pedro area. We have great kids and we even have funding to pay for them to work in your business for a uh, hundred hours paid. I can
0: already think of a couple of yeah. businesses I could utilize, yeah, yes. absolutely. So
1: um, giving, and then they might eventually become part of that business. And yeah. we've partnered with IT companies, which have been great, uh, law firms, two local um, um, restaurants are gonna bring some of our uh, kids are interested in, uh, teens are interested in culinary yeah. are gonna be part of that program. So that's become a much bigger program since the pandemic. We had one... Case manager before we had, th- we have three full time case managers this year. We'll have five full time case managers in the coming year because we're opening up our own workforce center and we're expanding that to 18 to 24 year olds. Um, because when they leave us at the end of their senior year, it doesn't mean they're automatically going to have a job waiting for them. So we want to keep working with those students, because normally they're they're not ours anymore. They've gone on. So mm-hmm. for these youth, mm-hmm. we're gonna keep, and others from the community that need a spot, we have space at our um, San Pedro site that has a separate entrance off 13th Street in four rooms that we're converting into our own workforce center. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna have 10 computer stations. We're gonna have our, our five um, case managers uh, who also will be working in Wilmington and Harbor City, Harbor Gateway. And we're really putting a bigger push on workforce development because we don't want them to leave, not have higher education, not have another option. So that's Mm -hmm. one of, those are our two pathways to success that we're really um, focusing on right
0: now. That's amazing, that's amazing. And I hear one of the things that you said that really like stands out to me is how much of, like I know for sure that if I was a teen in during the pandemic, I would not have done well in education. I'm somebody who needs to have a teacher. I need to be listening in class. I need to have other friends around me who I could be like, is this what she meant? Or, you know, I am definitely a social learner and um, participation for me is really how I learn. And so learning online would not have worked. I think every online class I've taken in college, I've dropped before the deadline because I was like, nope, this is not gonna work for me. And it would not
1: worked for me either. No, I'm the same way. My
0: you know, my brother really struggled online and, and it and it, it just I I really felt for kids during the pandemic. And so it's great that, you know, you're helping them pick up the pieces after I mean, we're still technically during in the pandemic, sure. but pick up the pieces after the worst of it to really get them back on track. Um that's awesome. And before we end the podcast, we'll let everybody know where they can meet or where they can send you, you know their information that way they can start getting interns or volunteering, all of that. Um, that's really incredible. Is there anything else about the Boys and Girls Club that you think um, you really like people to know in the community?
1: You know No, one, well, two things. One, thank you to all uh, the individuals, businesses, um, ILW, Port of Los Angeles, companies big and small in the area that have become partners, investors Mm -hmm. in what we do. I told you we started with a budget of Mm $270,000 at eight employees. Um, This year we have um, 260 employees. Mm -hmm. Our budget's $14.5 million. We have to fund that. Um, So all these investors have been great and just a huge thank you. And if anybody else wants to invest, uh, we call it investing, not donating. Even though it's a, it is a tax right um, <laughs> now. we we mm-hmm. could use definitely your help, um, and and also that you know don't don't think that there isn't an opportunity for your child or other children to be involved. We mm-hmm. we we're always looking to do more. If we have to open up more space, bring more opportunities, more sites. Um, we're looking to do that because it's never enough. I don't mm-hmm. care what anybody says. Remember one time we, we when we first came to the Rancho area, there was a non-profit working in in the area, and, and he said, well, why are you here? We're already here. I said, yeah, but there's all these kids. You're not serving them all. We're not gonna serve them all. There needs to be 10 more of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always need more. And I guess the last thing is, is I, um, big thing that I'm concerned about besides food insecurity that's gonna be here forever. For our community, um, affordable housing is going to need to be a bigger, not just for us, but for the city of Los Angeles, the state. Um, we're building all these nice condos and nice um, high-end places here, but you know, my employees, other, um, you know, people who are doing really good work. Uh, what I call the working poor, too often, they can't afford to live here. Uh, They can't afford to live in the harbor area. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, as 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 a city, as a nation, figure out a way of, and maybe in California, rather than looking for tax breaks to bring companies back into the state, maybe we need to talk about tax breaks for developers and we need to stop worrying about density. We need to start, instead of building just for people who can live close to the water because they, they can afford it. We need to build vertically more, do more things like one San Pedro and redoing Rancho San Pedro was a great project and there's other um, affordable housing, but make it instead of 15 or 20% affordable housing, make it 80% affordable housing with mm-hmm. 20% mm-hmm. of people that can afford to buy and realize that, you know, people need to live where they work if we're going to have a thriving community and give people quality of life. And I guess that's my biggest concern for San Pedro as we develop this economic engine with the waterfront and maybe leave what used to be the middle class behind.
0: You know, what's funny is um, I always end the podcast. We usually have a a couple um, questions between myself and Jess, who couldn't be here today. Um, But my first question is always, First of all, what are your concerns about San Pedro, and then what excites you? And so we went into the concerns without even a prompt, which is excellent. Um, Housing is probably the number one concern I hear on the podcast. Uh, We just had our 100th episode, and I mean, I want to say that the majority of the concerns are either housing or homelessness. Um, I mean, I feel like they're kind of one in the same. You know, uh, it's just a lack of affordable housing. And, you know, even I mentioned this beforehand, we couldn't afford to live here when we were looking for a home for ourselves. So me, somebody who strongly identifies as a Pedro girl who like lives here, does everything here, doesn't technically work here, but you know, this is where I wanna be and live my life. I'm technically don't live here, you know? So I, I think the concern is very real. Um, and what was your, what was your solution for that? You said build vertically. Well, we
1: have to build vertically, you know, yeah. we have to stop NIMBY and saying we can't because look at homeless is easily, more easily um, recognizable as you see it on the streets. Mm-hmm. You don't see the working poor that are two or three families living in the same house, which is homeless yeah. or, or yeah. living way out, uh, way out of the area have to come in, you know, driving forever and making their job Capacity way less due to that mm-hmm. constant back and forth, mm-hmm. um, and just the quality of life. I mean, that's that's a huge um, huge problem for us in the whole harbor area. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm. That's that's something that I, it doesn't get all of the. It doesn't get all of the hype that homeless housing gets, yeah. but there's a lot more people who are, need affordable housing than there are homeless. Probably ten times as many. I
0: know. I was gonna say, you know, for all the homeless that we actually see, those are the ones that have hit rock bottom, that have lost their homes. How many people are just on the brink, you know, or how many people are on couches in, you know, whole families living in a spare bedroom, that kind of situation. One
1: one paycheck away yeah. from being on the street, yeah, and. Even not on the street, uh, you shouldn't be spending 70% of your income. Not even owning a home, but just renting a place to live. Oh my gosh, I know. We have to have a better um, solution to that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, Okay, and then on the flip side of that question, what excites you about San Pedro?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think the economic um, opportunities with the waterfront Mm -hmm. and some of the developments, because I'm not bad-mouthing this development. um, You know, it's always the hope when all of that happens, there'll be more investment back into the community, into families, again, that'll have maybe jobs locally, but again, the housing issue. But there is that opportunity. Will they invest back in... Um, there's so many important nonprofits in our community besides the Boys and Girls Club, of course, I mean we're the most important, but we'll, we'll go beyond that. There's so many good ones. I don't want to name them, but everybody knows the the Tobermans and the Harbor Interface mm-hmm. and the Naval mm-hmm. Services and, and the rest that do really, really work for those that need it the most. Mm-hmm. Hopefully some of this great um, boom in the local economy we equate more investments back into our community and the mm-hmm. groups and the families that need help. So that's, mm-hmm. that, that, that's, that's an opportunity. And I still believe that we can, this has always been a blue collar community. Grew up that way. It was a middle class community. Even though we have less middle class now due to the disparity in, in economics and in wages, mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to turn that around in this community if we don't just focus on downtown and the waterfront. Yeah. And we start pushing more and more for opportunities for developing a different, um, you know, the American dream was owning a home. The American dream needs to become more and more with this disparity of owning a place to live that's 30% or less of your take-home income. Mm-hmm. So you really can have a quality of life. That's an opportunity. It's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna beat a dead horse but it's, it is an opportunity. And if we don't do that, Mm -hmm. it's going to change the fabric of who we are in San Pedro. Um, and it's, you know, I, I, you know, I I don't mind, I like going to Hermosa or Manhattan beach, but that's not us. We're, we need to take care of everybody. And that's, that's a great opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Okay, the last question that we end on, and I'm and I'm kind of hoping that I can get you to expand, expand beyond that just because you've been a Pedro boy for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, the last question is, and this is Jess's question usually, um, describe your perfect day in San Pedro.
1: My perfect day in San Pedro. Wow. Well, um, get up in the morning get a chance to uh, go to the gym and do a little workout, go and have, you know, get get cleaned up, go and have get dressed and then go have breakfast, uh, whether it's at the Omelette and Waffle Shop or uh, Think Cafe or the Diner or Lighthouse or one of those great places. Um, hopefully I'm gonna retire in a, almost two years so then if I'm not going to work, I can uh, come back and, um, do one of a number of things, whether hopefully get back into playing golf, uh, mm. here locally, or, you know, go out to Paseo Del Mar and take a book and, and a chair and kind of kick back and look at Catalina. And, um, you know, if you want, then you can go get us a sandwich whether it's at, uh, Perozi's or busy bee, um, uh, or a sandwich saloon or wherever your favorite place is, mm. you know, and come back home. Um, take care of some business, uh, barbecue up uh, on a nice uh, spring or summer night, and uh, just look out at how great our community is and just enjoy the ambience and the environment we live in. Um, If you go out and have fun uh, going to a local um, establishment, that's great too, or just kicking back home and um, just being thankful for all we have here. In what I call to all the people that come in, this is God's country, welcome. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, I love that. it. Yeah. I love that you walked us through your entire day. That's exactly <laughs> what we wanted from the time you woke up till the time, yeah, you're at home in the evening. Um, do you have any memories that you want to share growing up in San Pedro? Because life has definitely changed. And I think just the landscape of our community has changed since, you know, since you were younger and you were in high school. What are some of your fondest memories growing up in San Pedro?
1: Well, I think, you know, again, a lot of it was growing up, um, being able to, a lot of it was circled around the boys club because Mm -hmm. that was a major part of my life. Um, and playing sports in town, there was lots of opportunities, um, both at the club at, at Holy Trinity. Um, you know, there's great sports at San Pedro high school, um, you know, going, uh, Cabrillo Beach was, you know, the place that we hung out as kids. We would take the 13th Street bus to the no, the 9th Street bus to the um, uh, Pacific Avenue bus um, and go to Cabrillo Beach or go to the Pro Bowl um, down on on 9th Street, um, go to Curry's and have ice cream, April Park and crawdad fish. Um, slide down the hills on a block of ice. Okay, I've
0: Elizabeth. heard about that. Um, I've heard about that and I've never done it, but I've always heard about sliding down the hill at April Park on a block of ice.
1: It's, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, one time my flight football team, I said, We're going to have a different practice today than what? So uh, I had a bunch of parents. Go and get like ten blocks of ice, and we just had all these kids sliding down the hill. So this is our football practice today, guys. We're just going to go sliding down A Park. Um,
0: where do you get a big block of ice? Well, like back that?
1: in the day, there were there were places. Uh, there was what was it called? Was it A1 Ice? You can get it at Party Time Ice, which is okay. close to the you know where it is yeah. down by the uh, skate uh, skateboard Channel and, skate, yeah, park. Yeah, skate park. Skate mm-hmm. park. So there's that's probably the only place I can think of. Wow. Um, but you know just you know being able to hang out in in pedro um not really have a lot of worries you know go to football games on friday night um hacienda golf course is where i first picked up a golf club here in town which of course hasn't been here for a long time
0: where was that
1: so that it was just above western and um uh Weymouth, we- we- Weymouth and Western hit, if you went straight up into that housing right there, mm-hmm. um, that was a golf course. It was a nine hole golf course wow. with, a, with a little, um, uh, it was like a little country club where they had a community mm-hmm. center and people would do their first communion or birthday parties there. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a cool, it was a cool um, little place so going to go and do Pepe's um, restaurant back in the day, which is now trainees um, was always cool. It, uh, La Conga restaurant.
0: Or I, I actually did, um, enjoy La Conga. Yeah. Um, they had the best, um, bean dip, you know how they bring like yes. salsa. So they brought deep, uh, bean dip as well. Sure. And I didn't really care for beans that much, like refried beans. Mm-hmm. That was the best I've ever had. And I sure. I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> and, and the original La
1: Conga was where Godmother's is now. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. where I first, but then went there. Um, yeah, you know, um, Trainees sports. Um, it's funny because Trainees was my sponsor of my biddy basketball team that I played on. Uh, Trainees Majestic Cafe. Mm-hmm. So it was just a, you know it was just a great great place. Um, so many memories growing up. So many friends that you met and people that were just um, really um, good folks that were in a community that um, really cared about one another. Mm-hmm. But at the same time disparities um that we still have and that we still uh need to work on as a community Mm -hmm. um and so i'm uh i'm excited if you know god willing the river don't rise that there'll be more uh and even better memories uh moving forward in the year and years to come
0: very nice all right, last question. Where can people find you, find a Boys and Girls Club, get involved? And if they want to volunteer or um, sure. they need an intern, where, sure. who do they reach out to? So our,
1: our, our website is www.bgclaharbor.org. You can email me at mlansing, L-A-N-S-I-N-G, mlansing at bgclaharbor.org either one of those, you can learn more about what's going on in the club. If you want to volunteer, connect with our volunteer coordinator. If you want to know about the programming or opportunities to invest, or just learn more about what we're doing, uh, sign up for our food program. Um, there's you know, all that information's on the website, or feel mm-hmm. free to reach out to me in email. I'll get back to you right away
0: amazing all of that information will be in the show notes so listeners can easily just swipe and find it right. um thank you so much for your time thank you i'm so glad that i got to learn so much about this program that has been here so long that i really haven't haven't had any interaction with um i think that a lot of families are going to benefit from this um from this information so well, thank,
1: thank you. you amanda and thank you sam pedro for being so supportive of the boys and girls club and the, the young people who don't need a handout, they just need a helping hand and you're mm-hmm. making you're making this happen all of you. So thank you so much.
0: Wonderful. Thank you. That's all for our episode. Follow us for more on Instagram at hello sp podcast. Huge thanks to Rock Ashfield at Palm Realty Boutique for providing us such a gorgeous recording space. And thank you to all of our amazing Patreon supporters. Leave us a review and share this episode with your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. See you next week.